hey, this is Bill O'Heron. If you want to learn the six and seven figure science to success, significantly increase your revenue and learn how to successfully build professional relationships, you should be listening to the Sell Without Selling podcast with my very good friend and pretty amazing human being, Stacey O'Byrne. If you're ready to get out of your own way to follow the seven-figure science of success, then welcome to Sell Without Selling. Tune in with renowned international speaker Stacey O'Byrne as she shows you how mastering relationships, achieving the proper mindset, and attaining the necessary motivation will catapult you away from failure and onto your journey to greatness. And now, here is your host, Stacey O'Byrne. Hey, welcome back to another episode of Sell Without Selling. I'm your host, Stacey O'Byrne, and I believe that learning the art and the science of how to sell without selling is the only way to achieve high six and seven figure success. Today, I'm speaking with a really good friend of mine, Bill O'Heron. Bill O'Heron, LCSW, is a corporate executive practicing therapist weekends and evenings and writer who seeks to use his 33 years of financial sales management experience, 24 years of marriage, 15 years of counseling clients, and 8,500 hours of sitting quietly to help his clients better understand themselves and deepen their relationships. Bill teaches that all our relationships with others, especially our marriage, started in fourth grade when our limbic emotional body learned, absorbed, and inherited our parents' lives and experiences. We are all therefore married to our own old unconscious emotions more so than to our spouse. And uh, you guys are gonna see Bill and I have a lot to talk about today. <laughs> His research shows that relationships fail for one single reason, a lack of understanding of one's own emotions and reaction patterns created in childhood. His work with archetypes demonstrates also that relationships are not a single experience or dyad between two people, but are eight unique relationships all occurring at the same time three key concepts he uses to accelerate clients' work are stand in the fire, second law of thermodynamics, at home, and relatus. These three concepts provide direct access to understanding self. He celebrates in and humorously expounds on the belief that working on self, which will automatically improve the dynamics of all our relationships, is the most important thing in life. And that what we do right now in our relationship echoes through posterity, changing who our grandchildren's children become. Bill graduated from Middlebury College in Vermont with a bachelor's in English and earned a master's of science degree from Columbia University School of Social Work in New York in 2003. I believe that learning the art and the science of how to sell without selling is the only way to achieve high six and seven figure success. I am so excited for you to hear my conversation with Bill today. As you can see, we have a lot in common and this is gonna get really deep and dynamic. And really quick, if you're a business owner, entrepreneur, sales professional, if you're self-employed and you haven't hit the level of success that you've wanted or needed, or if you're stuck and needing a pivot in your business and your success, or maybe you just want more and you understand the importance of having a coach to help identify the blind spots, increase accountability and help with success strategies to take you, your business, your income, and your success to the next level. If this sounds like something for you, then head over to pivotpointadvantage.com slash I want success. That's pivotpointadvantage.com slash I want success. There's a quick application there that will lead to a personal phone call with me to see if we're a great fit for each other. Okay, let's do this. Bill, thanks so much for joining us. Absolutely. I am, was, I've been looking forward to this, especially after our conversation last week. Super excited. Yeah, yeah me you. too. So, As my so, wife says, I'm incapable of small talk. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I think you're very good at both talks. How's that? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. 
Thank you. So, so you know, I, I am so excited for the listeners to really get to know you. You and I mm. connected at such a mm. deep level so fast last week. So, yes. so share with them how, how has your, we'll start with your path in sales because mm. you've kind of taken three paths in life, right? <laughs> Actually multiple, but three majors. So yeah. let's talk about your path in sales first. Mm. How, how did you get that yeah. path? Great question. So as an English major in the mid eighties, um, being Irish, you know, we, us Irish like to say, we don't really have a lot of skills, but we can tell a great story. Yeah. <laughs> um, and my dad is a lot of, a little bit of osmosis, right? We talked about childhood and experiences. My dad was in sales um, in Manhattan. And so I graduated and I realized, okay, there's one thing I can do is I've got a little bit of energy and I'm, I'm pretty good with people. So I literally just jumped into a, uh, a sales role in the financial field in, um, in October 86, when Reagan was still in office. Um, and it really just kind of moved from there. Uh, what I enjoy in 1986 and what I enjoy today is the interaction between people. I really, mm. I know that sounds corny and maybe new agey, but you know, emotional intelligence, relationships, um, understanding self, those were words I would never, I couldn't comprehend at the age of 22, mm -hmm. but I knew that my day felt better if I made a connection with somebody. Clearly my day would feel better if I made a connection and made some money doing that. Mm -hmm. um, and I spent 11 years in the financial field. Um, and then I had, a, I had a, not a little, I had a big inflection point at the age of 31 um, when I realized I was having this great success on the outside, but my heart literally echoed and was empty. And that was really the beginning of um, kind of this, that's the call phase two, which is waking up inside, really meditating, slowing down, doing counseling. And the stuff I found inside was like, whoa, where'd this stuff come from? <laughs> and then kind of fast forward um, by, you know, after my master's in social work, after getting my, my licensure to do counseling, I went right back into full-time sales in the financial field in 07. And I learned that we carry all this stuff inside of us, emotional sadness, longing, whatever it is. But in my sales world, I had a much deeper experience of myself, which meant I felt I had a much deeper experience of the person I was communicating with, trying mm -hmm. to sell. Mm -hmm. I'm 56. I still cold call every day. When we're done with this, I'll go out and make 15 cold calls. People are like, Bill, you're 56. What do you do? I'm like, Number one, I got three kids in college, but number two, I, there's something wonderful. And the, I find, in, in summary, I find that the more I learn about me, the more fun I have just literally professionally poking somebody going, hey, this is Bill, do you have a second? Mm -hmm. And what comes out of that is, you know, most, and, and you know, the great, the great um, kind of uh, theme about sales is half your sales in the next year are probably from people you've never met yet yeah. <laughs> and somebody said that to me years ago decades ago i'm like that didn't make sense at first i'm like oh, makes total sense mm -hmm. right you can have make a good living with your existing clients but think about adding 30 percent more people you've never met well how do you do that you got to poke yourself out into the world yeah yeah you have to be seen you have to be heard you have to be found you have to be relevant and so if many you're today not, if you're not there's 40 other people calling that exact same like, yeah. yeah, that's fine. If you don't someone want to do it, will. but someone else will. And they're yeah. doing it right now as we speak. Yeah, yeah. I'm so many today that, that fall in that sales capacity, that, that entrepreneurial capacity or the small business owner capacity, they, uh, they, they join the Entrepreneurial Witness Protection Program, also known as <laughs> Facebook and, and Instagram, and, and they, and they in, kid yeah. themselves. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. They, they, they truly convince themselves that they're working, they're prospecting, they're selling, they're, yeah. they're really not. I mean, they're, don't, don't get me wrong, social media does work and can yeah. work. It Absolutely. can't be the only strategy, though. We're mammals. We're visceral. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you and I will probably be talking about the heart and the power of that this muscle has and sitting in the mm -hmm. middle of our chest. Um, but we are, they say, kind of biodevelopmentally, human beings survive because built into our DNA, built into the cells of our limbic system, is a desire to connect. And by banding together hundreds of thousands of years ago, we kind of survived through this thing called relationship. 
it wasn't just a social cultural thing. It was actually a survival thing. Mm -hmm. And so that's why connecting and relationships are so important because it's part of the mammalian experience. And so emailing somebody is, is not the full thing. It's having right. a conversation words over the phone and then meeting face-to-face, body-to-body. Yeah. So, so the easy question would be, how did a Wall Street <laughs> broker end up becoming a social worker and, and a shaman, this energy guru? However, after really getting to know you, I think the more complex question is, how did this shamanistic, energetic, ying being become a New York Wall Street salesperson? I realized as a kid that I had this, this what felt like this old connection, an ancient connection to something I couldn't figure out, whether it was Native Americans, whatever it was. But I also had this desire to compete. Mm. And, you know, Scorpio, like yourself, Mars, Pluto, Mars is a very competitive energy force archetype. And I felt like I felt more complete when I was competing. Mm. But I realized I was always just going to end up competing against myself and that I wanted, I wouldn't have used these words 25 years ago. Or 30 years ago, I've been in this business now 35 years. Did I just say that 35 years? Yeah. You did. Um, yeah. <laughs> I realized I wouldn't, again, I wouldn't have said compete with myself, but I realized every day I'm like, what can I do to push myself? Mm-hmm. What can I go to push myself? And, you know, I, I, when I got out of school, I mean, I just described I got into financial sales. I was thinking about becoming a teacher in the Manhattan school, school system, in the public school system. I'm like, oh, I'm going to go do something really good for the community. I'm going to do something for the greater good. And I said to myself, you know what? It'd be helpful if I had some money. Do greater good and have a little bit of money. So I realized, let me go out and make money. And so the yin that kind of connected connectedness, you know, I kind of had to dial that back a little bit and jump yeah. in to the material world. You know, render on Caesar what is Caesar. And so the inflection point came when my heart's like, yeah, I'm 31, but I'm not feeling whole. The heart like started to expand. Mm-hmm. And my and my rational kind of competitive self's like, no, I'm not ready. And then finally, <laughs> it kind of crescendoed. So it was a competitiveness. It was a desire to keep pushing to see what what else is out there that next day. What else is out there? Like a like mm-hmm. an explorer. Um, that's the way I looked at sales. Is I also had fear, nervousness about my insecurities, whatever that was. And I realized, how do I approach my fear? I do what makes me fearful. I cold call. I had a quote. Up, I had a quote on my on my on my a bunch of quotes on post its. My my daughters used used to last laugh, and it said, "I can't remember." It said it said, "Do something that makes you afraid every day. Do something that scares you every day." Mm-hmm. And so that that Mars Pluto energy it, part of my archetype was like, "What really makes me nervous? Oh, putting myself in front of somebody and maybe being laughed at. That's a really uncomfortable position." Oh, let's do more of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's almost masochistic in a way, but I felt like I would just, it was going to be good for me. Mm-hmm. Keep expanding, keep expanding. And that is my mantra still. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was a long-winded answer. I apologize. No, I love it. I love it because you actually said a lot there and I kind of want to recap it. You know, um, there is so much more to us. So many people think that our shell houses our spirit when reality is our spirit houses our shell that's that's the reality and and what people don't realize is every encounter every environment every situation that they embark in they are they are bringing themselves in and they're incapable of seeing the other person any other way than they project them to be mm. and really well all they're doing is projecting themselves out in front of the person that that they're interacting with because our unconscious mind projects who and what we are in front of us there's so much research around that i'm going to bugger this up but 
so much research on what our thoughts and who we sense we are and how we see the world. Mm-hmm. And in other words, like there's actual kind of neuron science on that lens is a little bit cloudy yeah. because it's not truly what the world is. And how do we un, unfetter that lens? How do we clean that lens? Well, you got to go inside and find out not what you think, what you feel. Mm-hmm. You know, there hasn't been a human action in the history of mankind that wasn't driven by an emotion. Yeah. That's Robert Monroe. That's not Bill. Yeah. That's Robert Monroe. Everything is driven by an emotion. Yeah. Our thoughts, our original lip, rational self was built on the foundation of our limbic body starting at 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. So everything we soaked into our limbic body ended up becoming beliefs because mm-hmm. a belief is just thoughts that you have over and over again. And the thought world emanates from the heart world. Mm-hmm. And so like, how do you get to the source? I call it in my book. I say, go up river. You got to go up river. What's up river? You in fourth grade, you in fifth grade, whatever you want. It doesn't matter. Don't judge it. Mom, dad, just be in that. And yeah. it's going to wake up this perception and understanding and to be able to use that self in the social work world, we call it use of self. It's yeah. the exact same thing in the sales world. What's my use of self? Well, if my mm-hmm. use of self is I'm a little corporation and all I'm doing is calling and contacting people. I got to know who I am in every moment. Mm-hmm. Use of self. What? Yeah. Yeah, what, what happens is, is when people get frustrated because they're dealing with a difficult client, they make that encounter all about the client. Yes. What they fail to realize is if they allow themselves to step back and realize that client is a mirror projection mm-hmm. of how they show up in situations, mm-hmm. and they're, they're just projecting it so that they can learn from it so that they can shift it. And once you learn from it and shift it and look, the only way our unconscious mind really processes learnings is when we make them about us. They're never about other people. They have to be about us. It isn't, well, that person's doing the best they can. It's, wow, I did the best I could. And with the tools I had at the time, and now I have different tools. So now I can do better instead of just falling back on the comfort zone of my neurology. It's, it's so powerful what you just said, because when somebody's agitated or frustrated, you know, mm-hmm. sales co- prospect, whatever, they're, they're, that agitation, right? The more you understand your own agitation, your own frustration, your own anxiety, your own longing, your own sadness, your own joy. I know such a, so much of my own inner stuff, for lack of a better word, that when somebody's shooting me their stuff, I'm like, oh, there's their fourth grader. Oh, there's their frustration with that <laughs> coming out. And, yep. and sometimes it's not crystal clear, but I do know if I let that wash through a little bit behind that is you're right, Mr. Smith, you told her I shouldn't have bothered you, but um, can I ask you another question or just people just want to air it out. Mm-hmm. And then right behind that, if you stay with it, how do you stay with it? Know your own stuff. You mm-hmm. stay with it. I can't tell you the great conversations I've had with people that were about to hang up the phone on me, mm-hmm. literally ready to go. Yep. And I just ask, Oh, one last question. Do you love living in Denver? Mm-hmm. And suddenly we're on the phone for 15 minutes and selling without selling selling is trust building relationships. Yeah. You know, that's all it is. It's like, oh, that person, oh, Bill's worth maybe having another conversation with. I don't know if they're going to do anything, but but knowing your own stuff is the only way to know Mr. Smith's stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So you you started your career on Wall Street. And then, and <laughs> now, yeah. And yeah. then, you know, today you're kind of this hybrid. Was your work in, in the, the, the social work field, was that the stepping stone to really connect the mind and the heart for you? Bingo, 100%. Yep, I had started meditating in 96. It, it, it rocked my world in the sense that these memory sensations, experiences that I just never, never, my rational mind, my adult 31-year-old mind never even could have fathomed what was in, was in there, were in there. Um, and then I realized, boy, oh boy, I want to keep following this trail and talk about competitive. I'm like, I, I, all I did was read, meditate, travel. I went, I've been to 46 countries and, you know, they say you travel the world looking for self. And I found it right in my living room, funny enough, um, mm-hmm. you know, right, right wherever you are. And so yeah. I just realized, oh my God, I have this wonderful opportunity to keep learning and growing. And I realized, oh, why don't I, why don't I put up something kind of um, uh, more structural, AE, an MSW, and an LCSW. Why don't I, why don't I see if I can have structure, get paid, 
um, and, and, and so take all this inner experience and then bring it to the social work field. Um, and then having done that, I got my, my licensure. I'm like, you know what? I've got to make more money. I've got three kids. And I'm like, I think I can apply what I've learned. Like you said, the yin part, the emotional stuff through this, through the social work work, social work work, and put it back out to the financial field. It was almost like a challenge. Can I hmm. really apply what lives in here? Mm -hmm. out there mm -hmm. so yeah so, you nailed it so this this book you've written that <laughs> tell us about your book <laughs> the thing that took 11 years um, <laughs> and as an english major it's 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 kind of nauseating and embarrassing to think how long it took nah. um it it was literally something that that had been brewing and i'd been kind of writing in diaries and doing a ton of research 15 years 18 years and i just i struggled to to codify it and really put it into seven chapters but having done that it was such a beautiful thing so it's called waking up marriage finding truth in your partnership it's not about marriage it's about every interaction we have with any person you and i are in a relationship right now yeah. and you're going to do something you're going to say something i'm going to love it and, and, and i'm going to have a reaction I'm like oh god i can't believe i just had a reaction what is that Oh, that's my angry fifth grader from blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. Stacy's reminding me of blah, blah, blah. My mom, my grandmother, whatever it is, doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. And I realize I'm not in relationship with you. I'm in a, I'm moving in time and space with you in a powerful friendship, you know, opportunity set, whatever it is. But really I'm having a relationship with my reactions to you. Yeah. And so waking up marriage is about waking up my relationship with the world through Deep. partnership, whatever it is. Yeah. And so marriage just happens to be the best template for me, 24 years of marriage, because my wife kicked my ass up and down the court. She woke up the little boy. Mm -hmm. She woke up the warrior. Yeah. Um, I mean, marriage is hard. Relationships are hard. There's nothing harder. Once again, do stuff that you fear. I dove into my relationship and I learned so much. I'm like, I'm going to see if I can share not only the actual stories, but the science and the history of what people have been talking about for 10, 15,000 years, all the research, all the ancient cultures, they've been working on this stuff for so long. Can I put it all into one, one between two covers? Yeah. So it's a tremendous challenge and um, very rewarding. Oh, that's phenomenal. You know, Carl Jung says we marry our unconscious minds so that we can project upon them everything we dislike about ourselves. Yeah, yeah. Carl Jung is <laughs> the best. He's the greatest, I think, of all time. Yeah. yeah. And and what people don't realize is it's not just our marriage. It's it's every relationship that we every attract. Place. Our unconscious mind seeks wholeness. It seeks completion. And it does that in engaging because we project. And, the re and people say all the time, well, why do I project? It's not the question of why, it's the question of what's the purpose. The purpose of projection is so that we can see it because when we see it, we can learn from it. And when we learn from it, we can finally fix it. So we stop recreating deja vu. Yeah. <laughs> you nailed it and, and and two things on that people people hide like you said mm. um because either conscious or unconscious they know oh god this is really challenging the life's challenging mm. these people are challenging right so they hide they're not getting it the second thing i was thinking about when you're saying that is the buddha says the buddha says take what you experience on the cushion through meditation and he says bring it to the marketplace mm. that's the buddha that's one of the greatest if not the greatest kind of archetype entities, human beings, whatever, whatever he is, was, or currently is, you know, you, we, you and I can go meditate on in Nepal or anywhere for, for hours and days and months and never, never show up in the world, which is yeah. great. We'll have great insights and hopefully we'll imbue them to our relatives somehow. But what good are those insights if you're not putting it to work in the marketplace? Yeah. And that's what, what you're talking about projecting. That's what like, how do you know what you're projecting? Go into your cave, as Young says, go into your cave where the treasures yep. of your life are, yep. self, and then bring them out and see what you got. Yeah, 
Yeah. You know, our listeners are probably going, Stace, you said this was going to get deep. I warned you. And you may also be asking, I'm going to mind read a little bit. You may also be asking, what does this have to do with success? What does this have to do with sales? And my, my simplistic answer is everything. And the reason why is you've heard me say before, where you go, you follow and everywhere you are, that's where you're at. And sales, the selling process, success is a people encounter. It is an environment where who you are is going to dictate how you see yourself, which will dictate how you behave, which will then create the environment that you're in. So that was why I was so excited to have Bill come on the show because he is truly a walking presence of every extreme. Hmm. The hardcore, I mean, I don't know if any of you have ever been on Wall Street. I have (laughs) trained Wall Street guys and they are a beast in themselves. Hardcore, type A, grab them by the throat and eat them while they're still alive salespeople and then you have your yogi granolas on the other end (laughs) that just sit there and wait for it if i meditate it will come you know and and bill is truly the extremes of both and he's managed to harness both of these energies and bring them into what he's created as success so that's wow. why I was so excited to bring you here. So, so let's, let's kind of shift and pivot a little bit. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, in my opinion, traditional sales is find a need, present to the need, negotiate, close, serve and deliver, right? Mm-hmm. I believe that the sales, the selling process that creates success is the complete opposite of that. I was hoping and, you were going there. Yep. <laughs> because <laughs> I was writing those things down, going, okay, I'm going to figure out my way through there. Yeah. So, because that was so 70s, yeah. that was so 80s. You know, I grew up with an Irish father who was a Taurus and me being a Scorpio. Oh God, opposite. Yeah, he was very competitive. He was the top of his game in the tri-state area. Mm. You know, he he was in industrial sales and back in the seventies when I was growing up, he was making a hardcore six-figure income, which was pretty significant back then. And And I watched the whining, the dining, the negotiating, the manipulating, the positioning and posturing and, you know, the body climbing and the slaughtering. And I watched all that, you know, (laughs) and, and, you know, that was, that was how I learned business. And then when I got out of the military, my very first job, you know, I started working in a warehouse while I was putting myself through school mm. and I got promoted to junior buyer and then buyer and then senior buyer. And then I became production control supervisor, materials manager, purchasing wow. manager. And I did all of that in a three-year period. And I was in my young twenties. And then wow. I realized all these guys that were calling on my account were all driving Mercedes and Beamers and you know, there I am in my Nissan. (laughs) And I realized I'm on the wrong side of this equation. So I quit. I quit. I had all these bills. I quit. I knocked on one of our distributors doors. And I said, I'm here to be a salesperson. They laughed at me. Mm. And I was like, you can laugh all you want, but I'll outsell anybody in this room because I had my dad's mentality. Yes. Yes. And then, and then when they were like, fine, Here's your account base. It does zero dollars. Good luck. And in the first year, I sold a million dollars. And they're like, how did you do this? I mean, the top salespeople, top senior salespeople in my industry, you know, they were doing like a hundred thousand a month. And that was a lot. And I did a million dollars with a zero dollar account base. And they asked me how I did it. And I said, I never sold. 
Mm. And they said, what do you mean you never sold? I said, I filled a need. And they go, well, what do you mean? I said, if I couldn't sell it, I told them who had it. And I told them where to go. And I told them what, what my competitor paid for it and what they should pay for it. See, the need wasn't the product that they were looking for. The need was an immediate solution, their pain point. And so many people sell their product. And the one thing I learned as a buyer, we don't care what you're selling. We care about what our problem is. Mm, mm, that's really good. And when you show up as a salesperson from the fake it till I make it, mm capacity there's so much incongruency there yeah. Yeah. that whole projection thing shows up so Powerful. i really so wanted to to throw this conversation of mm. sales on the table because yeah. i know you have an immense amount of insight because human behavior is huge in this in this issue on both sides mm. Mm. beautiful so as you were talking needs, solutions, you know, what is the problem? Um, my simplistic Irish brain goes to, there's so much emotion on the other side of the table with whoever you're talking to. And um, really, and the word authentic kept coming up because mm -hmm. the way I approach sales is I've got my goals. I know what I want to do. I, you know, have certain bonus projections. I got a couple of people that work with me, work for me, and I have all that. So I set the left brain stuff, boom, my spreadsheets, mm -hmm. calls, Salesforce, all that stuff. And then what I do is I forget about the outcome. I let go of the outcome. Yeah. Why? Because the outcome, what we were talking about 10 minutes ago, clouds my presence. I want to be yeah. fully present because I'm worried about making my goal right now in this moment if I'm talking to you. If I'm worried about that, I'm not fully aware. I can't feel into you. I can't lean into your space. And you're going to be telling me what your problems are, but you're probably not going to use words. You're going to use your body language. You're going to use some, some anecdotal story about your grandmother, which is going to tell me, oh, he really does have blah, blah, blah need. And so for me, success is, and it sounds so buddhic and new agey, but it's like, I know where I want to go, but I don't let where I'm going get in the way of today. And I try to be really, really, really present. Mm -hmm. And when I finish a day up, was it a good day or a bad day? Did I make the amount of calls that kind of do what I needed to do? And as long as I'm pretty close to that, that to me is success. I don't, I don't build a career of success based on this long longitudinal, this long arc. I build it on what's today good. What's today good? Could I've done more? And so you asked me about success and selling is, Listen, in the end, the numbers are always going to win. The numbers are going to be the true um, mediator of, you know, was, was Bill, was anybody else successful? But I don't use those numbers, which are really just a construct, mm -hmm. as anything to do with my eight or nine days, my eight or nine hours of work on a daily basis. Right. Because I'm an emotional being, and I know the person that I'm about to call when I hang up, in fact, we got a meeting after this. I know I'm going to connect with that person. Why? Because I have such a high conviction, Stace, such a high conviction on me being a pretty good guy and very honest. And so, I mean, I tear up when I think about this. I would love to meet me. It's taken a long time. And so I know I'm really present when I interact with somebody. Mm -hmm. And that full presence create space for that person to lean in a little bit further. And when nice. I feel like, and this might be, this might be egoic, but I feel like when I leave a space with somebody, they're slightly softer and I've helped create something in them just yeah. by leaving. Yeah. You, you left a piece a behind curiosity, a wonderment, yeah. a question. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've cold called people and said, Bill, no one's ever asked me that question before. And I've never said it like, and it's, I'm, is it my ego? I don't know. I just want to be, I want to be part of the solution of the greater good. I love that. So, so uh, some of our listeners know this because I spoke about it uh, in the very beginning. And if they, if our current listeners haven't gone back in the beginning, they don't know this. So I am a diehard introvert. 
die hard introvert. And it's funny because I'm an international speaker and trainer and people are like, how are you an introvert? That's impossible. And I'm like, no, I am. My job is to come into a room full of people and hold the wall up. That's my job. And, and reality is when I'm on stage, I speak to the one person that needs to hear my message. That's all I speak to. There can be 10,000 people in a room when you're on a stage like that and the lights are hitting you, you can only see the first row, maybe yeah. two. Yeah. So I only speak to those 10 people. However, I know that there's one person in there that, that needs to hear what it is I'm saying. So I say that to say what I shifted a long time ago because sales is about putting yourself out there. And I found a very congruent way to put myself out there. And my... My, my acronym for that is I allow myself to be a cat. I show up congruent, authentic, and transparent. Mm. And reality is I show up in a service heart-centered space to be the best version of myself and to show up in a state of excellence and be there for who chooses to align with me. And anything outside of that is someone else's choice. I am incapable of controlling other people's thoughts about me. And I say that to say those thoughts are none of my business. That's their growth, right? And where I got this lesson, and and I'll share a really uh, really quick story. Uh, one of my very first mentors is in her life transition right now. And, uh, you know, she was diagnosed with a very ugly cancer several months ago. She was given a period to live and it just kind of snowballed quick. And she uh, owned this, uh, well, the the name of the company in the past was Challenge You. And And what it was, was it was a horse course and a ropes course. So she would have us face our fears on the ropes course and then face ourselves in a pen with a horse. So what she did was she matched energies with people with her horses. So if someone was really high energy, she would put them in a pen with a very meek and timid Mm. horse. If someone was was like a very timid energy. She put them in with like a drifter horse. You know, the big, wow. big, yeah. they're almost like Clydesdales. Yeah. And, and what it was, was horses respond to congruency and authenticity and transparency. And, and they will not move if they don't connect to you. See, horses, horses in the wild, they're very intuitive. If a lion is going by and a lion has a full belly and they're congruent with being full, then the horse taps into the lion's energy and says, you're congruent with your motions. You're just going to go look for a place to go nap. However, if a lion is pretending to be full and is really (laughs) stalking the pride of horses then, or I think they're called a gallop. I don't remember what they're called. Mm. If they're, if they're stalking the, the herd of horses, then, then what happens is the horses tap into liar into the lion's yeah. energy and goes, you're incongruent and wow. we're out of here. And as long as a horse gets a jump on a lion, they can outrun them. Wow. And um, it, it, to me, that, that, I, I was able to apply that to self. I was able to apply that to my personal relationships. I was able to apply that to my business relationships and of course my sales encounters. Absolutely. That's amazing. So you know, I, was, I, was, I wrote down the words congruent, hmm. authentic and transparent. And I look at congruent and transparent and I believe the Latin roots for congruent is cog, which is to know. Mm-hmm. And certainly transparent, trans, there's emotion. And I think that's, that's what you're describing is you're standing up there, you're congruent, authentic, and transparent, which means your emotions, everything's are, things are in motion. And that's mm-hmm. what, you know, when you boil all down, life is constantly in motion. That tree out in the world 
might not seem to be in motion, but that tree is doing its full treeing every single day. That's yes, it doing its full scrolling. And so what's the full bill? What's the full stace? It's, it's letting all that stuff move and flow. And when you're doing that, you can be nothing but authentic because that's who, that's who the tree is and that's who Stacy is and that's whose bill is. And now Bill and Stacy can evolve and continue to grow. But at our core, we are, you know, we came into this world and we exit with a pretty core sense of um, either knowing or sensibilities about the world. And if we're authentic about that, people are going to pick up on that because yeah. you can't hide. In the end, you can't hide from self and you can't hide self from others. You can put some masks up, you can kind of wall stuff up, but ultimately mm. you're in motion. You're I love that you said masks because so many, and I was actually going to talk with you about this. You had brought up uh, earlier that uh, that fear creates nervousness and you learned a long time ago to confront your nervousness by picking up and doing what makes you so nervous. And that was the cold calling. Mm, yeah. You know, so many so many fake it till they make it. So many uh, don't know how to prospect or how to confront their fears. So they avoid it. Yep. So yep. Just, like the, just like the hard conversations, just like, yeah, sorry. So, so what's your advice to those people who don't do what they need to do because of the emotions that are attached and that trigger them? I always bring it back to desire, right? This is a mm -hmm. desire-based world. You know, mm -hmm. Robert Monroe says he studied out-of-bodied experiences for 45 years. He's got the Monroe Institute that his daughter runs He's in Virginia. Mm -hmm. And he said, um, the reason we're here is for these shared experiences and for um, bringing everything that lives in the non-physical into the physical. Mm -hmm. And so, and that, and by doing that, we complete our lives. So we come back to earth because there's something here on earth that we can learn and take with us when we, when we go on to the other dimensions. And maybe you have to suspend your belief that this is a single go around, but I believe karmically the Hindus say, you know, we live a billion lifetimes and then we just do it again. Right. The point is that there's a desire. There's a reason why we came to earth. And so anybody that's kind of looking at the phone going, should I call it? If they have a desire to grow and complete, as long as they have that desire, then they can, they can look at that and go, that phone's going to challenge me. That person on the other end is going to challenge me. But beyond, on the other side of that, I have a desire to grow and become. Become what? I don't know. Become more right after the call. And so is, if you here's what I'll tell you. If, if a, somebody's listening right now that doesn't have a desire to learn and grow, it's a tall order. You have to start with desire. And if people are listening going, well, I have the desire. I, have the desire, I just don't know how to do it action action mm -hmm. you know I've, I've worked with suicidal teens i've worked with people that are really really struggling with 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 life in my in my social work practice in my counseling practice and so they they say the gap this depressive gap of the human being is this gap between our what we desire and what we believe is capable what we believe is capable is our rational mind what we desire is our belly and our heart and that gap is holding us back. So how do we close that gap? Action. Desires kicking up. Let's get action. Let's get action. Let's do something. Let's go for a run. Let's meditate for five minutes and jump on the call. Just do one phone call. One phone call, right? Don't climb the mountain. Take a step. Now you do the second one. Now desires making you is pushing you to take a step. Now you've done four calls. Now you've done five calls. The person's gonna hang up on you. The person's gonna hang up on you. And the 18th call, the person's gonna be like, you seem like a really nice guy. You seem like a really nice girl. Like, this is, thank you for calling. You can be like, oh, oh. And it was desire. It was desire yeah. that got you there. Wasn't skills. Wasn't, you know, your knowledge of the product. None of that. Mm -hmm. It was where you were in that moment in your desire space, your desire energy got you there. Yeah, our unconscious mind learns off of habit. It learns yes. off of repetition. And yeah. the hardest thing to do is the first few. And you yes. know, you said when the phone challenges you, reality is that inanimate object isn't challenging you. The itty bitty <laughs> shitty committee is. You are challenging you. Totally. Totally. <laughs> it's a reflection of like, oh my God, I'm not good enough. Oh my God, this isn't going to work. Yeah. yeah, you nailed it. Pick up the phone and remember 
Other people's opinions about you are none of your business. Pick up the phone and do what you're passionate about doing and make that human connection. I want to comment on what you just said, which I just got goosebumps from what people think about us, what people think about Bill or Stacy. I remember somebody said this to me, must have been 18 years ago. They said, Bill, give me an estimate of how much time somebody or any of your friends or family are actually thinking about you right now. And I'm like, besides <laughs> my mom, zero, a minute, like not even, yeah. nobody, no offense, nobody's thinking about you. Yeah. So you're worried about all these opinions about you and people might have a glancing brief moment of an opinion that you're good, bad, and different, but think how little time, they're just mired in their own stuff. And that was one of the most freeing comments, I think, that was, that was really, nobody's thinking about Bill. So Bill, just get on with it, dude. Just get on with it. Second thing, it's 1986, my first sales job. I'm cold calling and living in Chicago, right out of college. I was trying to get to New York, and the path got me to New York eight months later, but I had to start in Chicago. And I've got a guy in Milwaukee. I remember like it was yesterday. And we got a great little product, and I get the first two months uh, commission. And my dad's in sales. I'm like, oh, what do I do? I, I, I got to close this guy. And I'm following off what you just said three minutes ago, two minutes ago. I call my dad. He's downtown Manhattan. I said, dad, I think I got a prospect here. Like, what do I do? He said, ask for the order, ask for the order, ask for the order. Got to go quick. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, was that helpful or was it helpful? And I realized, screw it. Just pick up the phone and ask for the order. And that when you boil it all down, the desire, you know, use of self, all that stuff, you come to the precipice and go, Stace, what do I need to do for you and I to continue this relationship for you to get comfortable to invest in X, Y, Z? What do we need to do? Mm -hmm. And then that beautiful, universal, eternal silence. Yeah. Right? But it's, but it's that last piece. What do we need to do? Asking for the order, asking for the order. And we, I, I don't, just use that in sales. I use that with my daughters. Mm -hmm. I ask the hard questions. I ask of my wife. I ask of my friends. You know, I try to ask of myself. The hard question is, whatever that thing is that's holding you back, you got to ask for it. Mm. And that asking for is we have to be, we have to be okay with no. We have to be, I practice yeah. no. I practice no coming back to me and, and leaning into it and really leaning into it because I just want to be, I want to be okay with it. Not, I'm not projecting or inviting. No, I'm just going, I'm going to be, I'm going to be relaxed into when I ask the question, because mm -hmm. I've already practiced the no. So if I get the no, I'll be okay with it. If I get the yes, my inner, like, so it's the uncomfort, it's the discomfort. You have yeah. to be really comfortable with things that are just bumpy in the night, things that are uncomfortable. It's our heart. It's our, and oh, I'm nervous. Oh my God, I'm nervous about yeah, and, and reality is, it's, it, there's zero personal about it. Re reality is, no is exactly that. No for now, right? Exactly. <laughs> and, totally. and, and, and what I learned, so, so for me and, and my young self, when, when, I, when I first got into the, the sales industry, you know, I was in my, my early mid-20s. Yeah. yeah. And, and I was still going through a lot of my own internal baggage mm. between uh, multiple versions of PTSD and, mm. you know, uh, identity crisis and, and all of that. I was struggling with a lot. And, yeah. and when someone would tell me no, I got really curious as to what was going on inside of me. Yeah. And, I realized that the no was triggering me because I wasn't allowing myself to be me. I mm. wasn't allowing myself to truly own my yeses. Yeah. And, and reality is I made a game out of it. That was how I got through no. I would count how many no's it would take to get to my yes. <laughs> and anytime someone would tell me no, I would thank them and they'd be like, excuse me? And I'd go, oh, well, you're my sixth no. That means my next call is going to be a yes. And they're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> so, and then I would hang up the phone. I would evaluate what I did that worked. I would evaluate what I did that could have been better. 
Yep. And I would evaluate what I did that I needed to change. And those just kept making me better. That's yes. how I learned. It's never about me. It isn't. When yeah. I show up, it's not about my product. It's about their problem. Yeah. And, and I got okay with no, because it became a game. And then that game, I'm competitive. Yeah. That game became, how can I cut that in half? So yeah. now instead of every seventh call, now it's yeah. every four. And then, right. yeah, now I have an 88% closing ratio wow. and I am 100% in service wow. because it's not about me. Yeah. And it's everything <laughs> about me. <laughs> totally. And, and, and when you said um, congruent, authentic, transparent underneath that, I wrote down service because that's what you said, you know, and you just said it again, which is really that's just not a word and that's mm -mm. just not a thought and it's just not a feeling. Yeah. If you're, you know, salespeople, business people that are truly in service, truly there, fully present for their clients or their prospective clients. And it's not black or white. People are either in or they're out. Yeah. And service. That's why, you know, I laugh at like social work and sales. It's the same darn thing. I'm in service. Yeah. Yeah. Really, my first service is to self, to understanding self, so I can be present, so I can, so I can dialogue with my inner fourth grader, my angry fourteen-year-old, and the eighteen-year-old. All those parts of me, right? I'm in service to those, to my deepest eternal selves, um, embodied in this this shell for now. Mm -hmm. um, and then once I I feel like I've done work in that space, daily basis, weekly basis, whatever it is, now I can go out into the world and be of service mm -hmm. to those that I'm trying to hold space for. I'm yeah. just trying to hold space for the next person, whether it's the Whole Foods checkout girl or it's my dog or it's the neighbor that just, you know, can I be in service without losing self, gaining self through being in service by holding space? Uh, I think it's because if, if we're in service thinking that we owe the world something, right? Owe dad something, mm -hmm. right? Owe something. Mm -hmm. It's a different energy set. No. There's a drip to it. There's a, there's a, there's a sense of incompleteness to it. Um, and I haven't mastered that game, but I feel like, I feel like I'm authentically desiring to be fully revealed and fully vulnerable and fully in the out, outer world to see what I can do for the greater good. Yeah. For me, for me, I think just my, my humble opinion the, the paradox lies in, and I think this is about life and also is imperative to sales. The paradox is there's no difference between the air I breathe and the air you breathe. Yeah. Are we really, are we really separate beings? Because in my opinion, there's, there's this duality because yeah. we're all just energetic beings. Totally, totally. Some of the crazy statistics on that note is, I think 96% or 93% of the cells in our body were, were created during the Big Bang, like yeah. 5 billion years ago, 10 billion years ago. And I've heard this somewhere, I've seen this written that the air we breathe now is the same air that Julius Caesar breathed. Yep. It's just like, it's like, whoa, hold on. It's just older it's air. It's <laughs> older air, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's really powerful. So, so, I want to ask one last question before I get to the signature question yeah. of the show. And that question is you brought up the, the, the big muscle in our chest, the heart. Oh, God. Oh, God. What yeah. does heart have to do with sales and success? <laughs> I laugh because it's the only thing that matters. Um, If we didn't learn through all our research that your heart is an antenna and it's absorbing and emitting, absorbing and emitting, um, which our rational mind really can't fathom on some levels, that the mm -hmm. heart actually shows up. You open the door to a meeting, your heart's the first thing that enters. Yeah. <laughs> right? um, 15 and, feet ahead of you. Absolutely. And yeah. so um, the fact that there's 40,000 brain neurons within our heart should, mm -hmm. should, should give people pause at how much intelligence there is. Our brain, our, our heart sends so many more signals to our brain than the other way around. It's not even close. It's not even a, it's not even an equation worth doing. It's the heart rules the true intelligence of the human experience. Mm 
Mm -hmm. um, those sound like big macro grandiose new agey comments, but that's just a fact. Yeah. Which scientists have come a long way finally realizing, God, the brain's just an echo of what's actually living inside our, our feeling limbic, uh, you know, biomagnetic limbic self, our emotional self. So what does heart have to do with sales and experience and, and, and success? Um, I want to know what I'm feeling today, right now, which might be different tomorrow, but I want to know how I'm feeling today because how I'm feeling today is going to impel and drive how I behave and how I behave is going to drive my success. Yeah. And, and being aware of what I'm feeling, Hey, I'm feeling a little low. I'm feeling a little bit disconnected. I'm feeling whatever it is. Um, I'm going to monitor my day and behave in my day a way that fits where I'm at in my space. And tomorrow might be a better day because I got more sleep and I went, I went for the workout and, you know, whatever that might be. And so my heart is really the gauge for where I'm at right now, right now, this second. And what I do and how successful I am for the rest of today is based on how I feel right now. Yeah. Um, so for me, the heart is the muscle intelligence center of my life as a person and my life in sales. Hmm. That's beautifully put. Hmm. So, Bill, welcome to the signature question of the show. Uh -oh. And that and is, what does selling without selling mean to you? I hope this doesn't sound new agey, but. Everything sounds new agey. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then it doesn't. It sounds yeah. so ancient because. I think somewhere along the line, we kind of missed the connection and now Big the time. two ages are connecting. Big time. Yeah, the yeah. age of Aquarius is truly honest. Um, selling without selling is being in a room, being on the phone, being fully engaged in the experience of relating to the person you're focused on for that moment, for that hour, for that day, whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. Fully alive to that mm. moment and the word relationship comes from latin relatus which means to carry back which means something happens i understand what it is through my cave through my therapy and i bring it back but in that moment i am carrying back i'm carrying into this dynamic with this other person so i'm not i'm selling but i'm really just revealing yeah. i'm really just opening and there's no selling when you're revealing, right? Like I can sell that I'm a good guy, but the person's going to pick that up. I can be selling a certain piece of my product, but it might not be authentic. Well, if it's not authentic, then I'm really unselling. I'm really undoing yeah. the very trust that I'm, that I'm mm. essentially building. And marriage is trust. A relationship is trust. It's finding nice. a common ground. Um, that selling to me is just being in that moment as big as you can. Mm. I love and that. Hopefully, something good comes out of it. But if it doesn't, materially, I still revealed myself. Yeah. For me, selling without selling realizes that you're the common denominator in every equation yep. in your life. And when you show up clean and pristine, understanding that everything that's going on is just a sheer projection of you, who you are, how you're feeling, your programming, your imprint, all of mm -hmm. that. Totally. And then you're bringing it all to the, to the current situation. Totally. When you understand Powerful. that, that, your prospective client is just a projection of you, then you can step in and be of service. Yeah. That's so so welcome to the random round. <laughs> so I believe that success leaves clues and I like to extract those clues mm -hmm. so that our listeners can incorporate something in their life as a takeaway. So share with me what your morning ritual looks like. Just this morning, I am um, pretty much either get on the cushion to sit, meditate. Um, mm -hmm. And I have a breathing exercise. It's about eight to 10 minutes. It's, it's um, belly breaths, breathing into the nose, mm -hmm. exhaling. Um, yep. It comes out of an old, old, you know, Hindu practices of relaxing, expanding, um, and really just trying to get on the cushion for anywhere from five minutes, to sometimes 30 minutes in the morning. That's just sitting quietly, nice. get out of the bed. I don't, I, I don't, I don't, I don't do anything else, but to get to the cushion 
Mm -hmm. um, why? Because I'm still in that 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 uh, alpha state, that relaxed dream yeah. state. So there's a lot of material in there. I don't want to miss out on something. And typically, that morning routine is a way for me to get into the current, whatever current I'm in that day. Mm -hmm. I want to be aware of what that current is, and so I get a, I try to get a good hard, a good hard heart look at where Bill is in that moment. I love that. Thank you, Bill. It's been phenomenal speaking with you today, and I really appreciate you coming on the show. Before we head out, how can our listeners connect with you if they if they'd like to get a hold of you? Thank you. Um, they can go to wholecounseling.com. So instead of Whole Foods, it's wholecounseling.com. That's my website. Um, the book is on Amazon and all, all wherever wherever else it is out in the world. Uh, Waking up, marriage, finding, choosing your partnership. Um, and all the information is on my, on my website. Fantastic. Thank you. Your success is important to me. And it's also important to me to make sure that these episodes are valuable to you. I would love for you to do a few things right now. I'd love for you to hop over to Instagram and follow us at Pivot Point Advantage. That's hop over to Instagram and follow us at Pivot Point Advantage. Second, I'd love it if you'd head over to Facebook and join our Sell Without Selling community. That's head over to Facebook and join our Sell Without Selling community. We have an immense amount of interaction on both platforms. We also share different information on both platforms. So we look forward to seeing you there. Last and definitely not least, I love to chat with you, give feedback on the episodes and find out any topics that you're interested in to help make this podcast more powerful and helpful to you achieving the success you've always dreamed of, desired and deserved. Head over to pivotpointadvantage.com slash talk to Stacy. That's pivotpointadvantage.com slash talk to Stacy. Let's get a 15 minute call on the schedule. I look forward to getting to know you. Always remember this, choice is a powerful thing and suffering is always optional. Get out of your way so that you can get on your way so you can finally have your way. Thanks so much for listening and I look forward to talking with you soon. Whether it's mastering your mindset, communication, or success, we have more ways to keep you on your journey to greatness. Be sure to visit us at pivotpointadvantage.com for exclusive online training programs, success-specific courses, and more ways to connect to Stacy directly to help you achieve the financial success you've always desired, dreamed, and deserved. That's all available on pivotpointadvantage.com.